Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. None of you ever have money problems, do you? We're going to be looking in James 5 and 1 Timothy 6 and several other passages Hopefully you have a Bible that you can turn to, look in, uh, seek. But uh, I want you to think about money problems from a particular perspective. And so, uh, did you know that 11 of the 39 parables talk about money? I didn't actually look it up for myself, but somebody said that one out of every seven verses that record what Jesus was teaching talk about money. One out of every seven. But most of the time, see, Jesus wasn't really teaching about money. He was using money as an illustration. He was talking to about something they could connect with, something they could identify with. So he wasn't really just talking about money. It was a common illustration they could understand. Um, In fact, about half of the parables, or nearly half of them, talk about food. But do you think Jesus was really teaching about food in all those parables? No. Um, So... Uh, in your bulletin notes, it says money problems. It shows that on the uh, top of the bulletin. And then in the bulletin, there's a spot for notes. And what I want you to do is I want you to kind of scratch out that word money and write in the word spiritual, kind of like this, okay? Because they weren't really money problems. They were spiritual problems. They were spiritual issues. And Jesus was using money to teach about the spiritual issues of the heart. So we're going to look in James chapter 5, and we're going to look in 1 Timothy chapter 6, and we're going to look at some of the things the Bible teaches about money. But this message is not really about money. It's about spiritual problems. And if you have your spirit right, your money will be right. And Uh, So money is like a light on your dashboard. It lets you know whether things are in good shape or whether there's a problem. But money is not the big issue. It's an issue. So the first spiritual money problem is the love of money and the strong desire for more. The love of money and the strong desire for more. Look in James chapter 5. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness to you, against you, and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days, that love of money. Look at verse 4. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your field, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in a day of slaughter. He's talking about the love of money and the dangers of handling money inappropriately. Now, we're going to go back and forth between James 5 and 1 Timothy 6. So look at 1 Timothy 6. We're going to look at a couple of verses there, beginning in verse 8, where it says, 
and having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. How many of you have had something to eat in the last 24 hours? Yeah, I noticed that all of you are wearing clothes. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, so you should be content. You've had food. You have clothes. You should be content. Verse 9, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Did you hear that? Who are the people that have the problem? Those who would be rich. It could be a poor person, could be a rich person. But those who want more riches, they're going to fall into foolish and harmful lusts. They're going to be destroyed. Verse 10, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Love is a very strong emotion. The love of money is extreme greed, the desire to have. It's not enough to have enough. It's a deep longing to have the most you could possibly have. More and more and more. For the sake of money, homes and reputations have been destroyed. Some people have actually committed murder just to get a little bit more money. When I was growing up, my pastor, Lewis Johnson at Tucson Baptist down in Tucson, he, his dad was murdered for 50 bucks. People will kill people for a little bit or a lot of money. Luke 3.14, John the Baptist told soldiers to be content with their wages. In Hebrews 13.5, he said, let your conduct be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he himself, Jesus himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You have the greatest need on earth. You have the Savior and rejoice in that. You don't need to chase after money. And in fact, if you chase after money, you will never be content because you will always want a little bit more. As one of the richest men in the world in his day said, when asked how much money is enough, he said, just a little bit more. You will fret and worry about losing it too. Ecclesiastes 5.12, written by the wealthiest man in the world in that day, Solomon, the sleep of a laboring man is sweet whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not permit him to sleep. Years ago, there was a lady in our church when I was in a different church, and she really wanted to be rich. She wanted money, and for a long time, she and her husband were both working two jobs and trying to save, and she was helping people, and finally, she was able to amass a million dollars in savings, and she had her million dollars, and she was now a millionaire, and it was her life goal, and she spent the whole time worrying about losing her money. She had no joy in it at all. I know what you're thinking. I kind of like to have the joy of a million bucks, okay? It's not wrong to have an interest in having a little money, but it's wrong to devote yourself to pursuing it. I mean, obviously, if you didn't get paid, you wouldn't have the job that you have. 
You work so that you can get a paycheck, so you can provide for your family. But if you're devoting yourself to getting money, you got a problem. When you love money, you rob yourself of the joy of life and the peace, and you fail to appreciate God's grace that He is with us. The love of money is a spiritual problem. The second spiritual money problem is withholding from others who deserve it. Look back in James chapter 5, verse 4. James 5, 4, he says, Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your field, which you kept back by fraud, cry out, and the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord. You hire somebody to do a job, and then you shortchange them. That's what they were doing. They were shortchanging or underpaying. They were sinning. Uh, look on the screen, Colossians chapter 4, verse 1. Read it with me, please. As soon as it gets up there. If it does, sometimes it doesn't work. All right, masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. So if any of you are a supervisor at work or a manager at work or a business owner and you have people working for you or working under your authority, you need to take care of them well. You need to not take advantage of them. You need to pay them well, what is just and fair. Uh, two weeks ago, we looked at uh, James 4.17, to him that knoweth too good and doeth it not, it's sin. You, you need to do the right thing. So withholding from others who deserve it is sin. Jeremiah 17.11 warns of those who get riches, but not by right. Being unjust, they were receiving what is called ill-gotten gains. And a couple hundred years ago, our country was filled with robber barons. You know what a robber baron was? A robber baron was a guy who led an industry, and he wanted to get more money, so he put people basically into servitude. It wasn't called slavery, but it really was a kind of slavery, and they they had the old company store, so they would move you to their industrial town, and they would put you in a house, and then, but they owned the house and they owned the land and they owned everything and they owned the store. And there was that old song, I owe my soul to the company store. Yeah, they, because you could never get ahead. And the robber barons just got richer and richer and richer, even though the people who worked for them were getting poorer and poorer and poorer. So to combat the robber barons, they came up with labor unions. And labor unions were needed. They needed to provide stability for the workers. And then what happened to the labor unions? The labor union bosses started doing the same thing to the labor union uh, um, employees, not employees, but the members of the labor union. They started doing the same thing. They started making contracts that were favorable to the union bosses and negotiating things that worked well for the, and the union bosses started getting rich at the expense of the union members. God doesn't want us to live that way. Robber barons and greedy union uh, organizers, they're not the only ones who had a problem. Years ago, I was in a restaurant with some Christians, and uh, the waitress made a tiny little goof. 
And after the waitress corrected it, was very apologetic and stepped away from the table, the lady said, well, she's not getting a tip. And it was like they looked for reasons not to give a tip. Now, I think you ought to tip generously, especially if you're going to leave a track or an invitation to church, tip generously. But everybody makes a mistake. And this lady had worked hard to correct it and resolve it and was cheerful about it and apologetic about it, and she got nothing for her labors. The Bible says you're supposed to pay. You don't shortchange people anymore if they're a waiter or a waitress or a server in a restaurant or if they're uh, serving uh, on a job, you hire somebody to do work in your yard and then you argue and complain they didn't do it perfectly and so you try and shortchange them. God doesn't want his people to act that way. When you take advantage of someone else, whether you fail to pay what's appropriate or what you know is good, you don't just save a little money. You sin against God. Proverbs 3.27, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in the power of your hand to do so. Years ago, I was a business manager, and it was time for the annual bonus, and I sent that verse to my boss just to encourage him in the Lord, you know. Don't withhold good from those to whom it is due when it's in the power of your hand to do it. God wants you not to hang on to stuff, especially when it belongs to other people. Withholding from others what they deserve is sin. It's a spiritual problem. A third one is hoarding wealth. James 5, 5, he says, You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in a day of slaughter. Like uh, in our day, we think a day of slaughter, ooh, but it, that's when the animals were killed and you could get the best beef steaks or the best pork ribs uh, right that day. So that, well, I guess they wouldn't get the pork ribs, would they, in Israel? But <laughs> I'm glad we're not in Israel and we can enjoy pork ribs, but uh, hoarding wealth, holding it for yourself. So you live in luxury while others are suffering. Um, Seth Godin is not a believer. He is an atheist, but he, he wrote this about money, and I thought it was really a good concept. Seth said, while you might end up with a bunch of money when you're dead, you don't need a bunch of money when you're dead. And that's what people are trying to do. There used to be a bumper sticker, he who dies with the most toys wins. And then somebody made another bumper sticker, he who dies with the most toys still dies. Ecclesiastes 5.13, there's a severe or sore or grievous evil that I have seen under the sun. Wealth hoarded by its owner to his own misery. The people who hoard their money, who try to hang on to it, uh, they end up hurting themselves. From the very beginning, Adam and Eve were made to share. God is generous-hearted, and he wants his people to be generous-hearted. He wants you to give freely with your money, with your time, with your energy, with your heart. Give freely to help other people to be a blessing in the lives of others. Maybe you should put on your to-do list, or I use to-doist. Maybe you should put on your list or your calendar. You should put, have I enriched someone else today? Just ask yourself that question every day. Have I enriched someone else 
today. And if you can't think of a way that you have enriched somebody and it's like 1130 at night, call one of your deacons and tell them how much you appreciate their ministry. You can wait to call your pastor till the next day, okay? Just, just, uh, but, but help other people. When you try and keep stuff for yourself, you miss out on rich blessings. Proverbs eleven twenty eight: he who trusts in his riches will fall. Hoarding wealth is a spiritual problem, trying to hang on to it all. And by the way, he's holding up Bitcoin in one hand and dollar bills in the other, hundred dollar bills in the other hand. All right, number four, not giving generously to the Lord is a spiritual problem. Now, I put offering, we have the offering box in the back. We have offering envelopes you can give online. Some people go to their bank and they schedule a check to be mailed to the church. And Megan picks up the mail and puts the checks, puts them in the safe. It goes into the church banking account. It provides for the work of the Lord. Money is needed for electricity, for the facilities, for the staff, for the missions. You see the mission board back there. We give generously to missionaries, and, and uh, we gave a love offering to uh, the Clarks as they were here last week, plus we support them every month uh, we, or every quarter. We send a check and support for them. In First Chronicles 29, it said, The people rejoiced, for they had offered willingly. Because with a loyal heart, they had offered willingly to the Lord. And King David also rejoiced greatly. There's a joy in giving to the work of the Lord. Now, many years ago, we had a lady who joined our church. And she had a husband who professed to be a Christian, who said he knew the Lord, but he didn't follow the Lord. He didn't, uh, he didn't go to church. He didn't trust churches. He didn't like preachers. So... He scheduled a meeting for me to come and meet him at his house before his wife joined our church. And he said, I want you to know that I would prefer she not be involved in a church because I don't think churches are a good and safe place for people to be. And I don't like preachers at all. And I'm not going to allow her to ever give any money to your church. How do you feel about that? I cried. No, I didn't. I said... That's your, between you and God, not me. We don't require anybody to give to the church. We want you to give generously to the work of the Lord through the church. So don't give to victory. Give to Jesus through victory. Give it to the work of the Lord. And, and he, just, he just couldn't, he was wealthy and he wanted to hang on to his money. And so I encouraged his wife, if you can't give money, give what you can give. Give your heart, give your time, give your energy. And she got involved and she served and she had fun and, and then they ended up moving away. But, you know, you may not have a lot of money. My dad, the last couple of years of his life, he didn't hoard his money to pass it on to his kids. I encouraged him to give generously to the work of the Lord. And, and we did get a little inheritance from dad, but, but he gave generously to his church. And the last couple of years of his life, in addition to what he gave through his local church, he gave $40,000 to missions. I can't imagine a year in my life I'll ever be able to give $40,000 to missions. But he did. 
And he loved it. He was generous for it. And, and he, he had a lot of fun giving. And he was impacting the work of the Lord around the world by giving generously to help people who are serving the Lord. And that's fun. We got to have the clerks here. We got to hear their report. We got to talk with them. Kathy and I had the opportunity to have lunch with them and hang out with them for a couple hours before they had to go down to Tucson to be in another church that night. And it was a blast to spend time with them and share with them and hear stories of God working there. We have a part in that. I think in heaven, we're going to run around and we're going to meet people that were influenced through Christ, through missionaries we supported, and maybe they'll even find out and they'll know and they'll say thank you. I don't know. I don't think we'll care about hearing thank you. I think we'll just be, wow, I got to be part of what God was doing there. Isn't it cool? It's one of the blessings we'll enjoy in heaven. So I want you to turn to a couple other passages of Scripture. Look in Matthew chapter 6. Megan read from this a little earlier. In fact, I'll tell you what, why don't you guys turn to Luke chapter 12, okay? Luke chapter 12, and Tim, can you bring up that scripture reading from earlier that Megan read? Here it is. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moss and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. All right, now you're in Luke chapter 12. That won't be on the screen. Luke chapter 12, and look down in verse um, 16. Luke 12, 16. Jesus spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and all my goods. And I will say to myself, Soul, to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Now, you notice a little self-centeredness here? He says, what am I? I'm thinking about myself. What can I do? I have no room. I will do this. I will pull down. I will store my crops, my goods. I will say to my soul, he's very self-centered, self-focused, seeking his own benefit. And now look what God says to him in verse 20. But God said to him, fool. Now, we're not supposed to call one another a fool. The Bible specifically instructs us not to do that. But you see, God is the all-knowing, all-understanding one. And God can call people a fool because God knows exactly what a fool is and what a fool does. So he says, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? Now, look what else he says. So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. The one who hoards it, the one who saves it, the one who keeps it, and he's not rich toward God. He is hurting himself. He is behaving like a fool. So 
In Acts, Paul gathered the pastors and ministry leaders from Ephesus and he encouraged them in the Lord. And then just before he prayed and then prepared to leave them, he said these words. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. To give, to be generous. Plain and simple, your life is enriched when you give. Your life is enriched when you give. You get to be a blessing to other people. Now, you can do it anonymously. We've had people give through the church, so it was anonymous to the person they wanted to receive it. Uh, Legally, you can do that as long as you don't get tax credit for it. You can give a gift to a person. So you could just contact Megan or Evelyn Friend or me. You can say, I want to give this to this person. And I've had people hand me an envelope with cash in it I don't know how much. And they said, would you give this to this person? And so I said, yes. And I passed it along to them and said, this is from somebody in the church. Wanted you to have that. Our church has received online contributions or checks in the mail and said, please give this to somebody in the church. You can do it anonymously. It doesn't have to be anonymous. You can do it up front. You can just Give a gift. Like if you're going to give money, it's fairly easy to do that anonymously. If you're going to give somebody a car, it's kind of awkward to give that anonymously, right? You got to go sign off at DMV and, and, uh, you know, transfer title and all of that. But, But make a habit of giving to other people. Make a habit of that in your life. Just enjoy sharing with people. Now, in giving to the work of the Lord, Paul said, when we give to the Lord from a generous heart, the work is blessed and so are we. This is part of what Jesus taught about seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's part of what Jesus taught about laying up treasure in heaven. And when you give to the work of the Lord, you're making a difference for eternity. Not giving generously to the Lord is a spiritual problem. And then the fifth thing is not sharing with others. Now, I don't know which boy is sharing the cookie here. I can't tell who's handing it off to the other one. But when a boy shares his cookie, that's friendship, right? That's friendship. Look in 1 Timothy chapter 6. All through the minor prophets, it talks about our need to help other people, our need to minister to other people, our need to care for people, our need to share what we have and help other people who have less. And we read that over and over in the Old Testament scriptures and in the New. In 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. Let them, I'm sorry, in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good and that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. All right, let's just think about this. Command those who are rich in this present age. Now, the, the way it's described here is, is specific in this cultural day, in our day. Not, you know, uh, the money that I get, shoot, the first job I had, I think paid 209 an hour. 
And now minimum wage is 12 bucks an hour. And in Flagstaff, it's higher than that. And it's going up next year. Um, but, you know, some of you can remember getting paid less than a dollar. My dad got paid a dollar for a day's work, not just an hour's work. One of the jobs he had as a young man and uh, as a kid, a, a teenager maybe. Uh, but you, you, so you don't compare to the old days. In fact, we, and I know a lady, she was really rich. She was worth millions. She had a classic Cadillac convertible, big, huge car that was custom made for her. And she had a Rolls Royce that was custom made for her. And she took us all out to a restaurant. It was a very nice restaurant, very good meal. It came time to give the tip. She put two bucks on the table. Because when she was a waitress, if she got a dime, that was a really good tip. Well, in that present age, that two bucks was nothing. The price of the meal was a lot more than that. So thankfully, the person with her and helping her insisted that she give a, an appropriate level of tip. But we don't have to compare ourselves to other ages but we might need to compare ourselves to other cultures. See, one of the things we often fail to realize, if you live in America, by world standards, you're rich. By world standards, we have much. Uh, years ago, like 20 years ago, Kathy and I were in Cuba, and we talked to the head of internal medicine at the University of Sinfuegos Hospital, and he was also the primary instructor for cardiac care at the University of Sinfuegos. And his combined income from those two high-level, high-value jobs was $30 a month. And we were rich compared to him. And we were able to buy a couple of missionaries and pastors their bicycles and horses so they could ride on the streets or get up in the mountains to minister for the Lord. And our family, it was such a blessing to be able to contribute that and do that. But you know, by world standards, you're rich. By American standards, you might not be. But by world standards, we are. So those who are rich in this present age, in this day in which we live, the dollar amount of money that you take compared to the average person in the world... And then he says, don't trust in uncertain riches. Your future is not determined by your 401k or your retirement plan. Your future is determined by God. And God can sustain you. Remember, God took the widow's oil and made it just keep lasting and last. He kept pouring and pouring and it kept coming out and coming out. And one of my favorite things about the wilderness wanderings of the people in Israel is that they, they were wandering for 40 years and their shoes didn't wear out. Now, I've had shoes that I just absolutely love, you know, my favorite pair of shoes. So what do you do if it's your favorite pair of shoes? You wear it more often, right? So what happens when you wear it more often? It wears out faster. I had a pair of shoes that Mr. and Mrs. Jean Main bought me years ago. They were phenomenally comfortable, amazing shoes, really expensive. Their son worked for the company that made those expensive shoes, so they got them for me. And I wore them all the time. They have been in the dump for years. 
But God made the shoes of those in Israel last for 40 years. So God can do that. And then he says, so you trust in God and trust in his riches. And then he said, do good. This is what you need to do. If you have a little more money than others, do good. Be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. Now, it doesn't mean that every time you go out to lunch with a friend, if you make more money than he does, you have to pay for it. It doesn't mean that. But it does mean you need to have a way for you to be generous, a way for you to bless other people. One of the ways you can do that is through giving to the church, giving to our mission program, we're supporting missionaries, but there are many ways you can do that. You can help and bless other people. Then he says, storing up for yourselves a good foundation for the time to come. You're investing in eternity when you're sharing with other people, when you're helping other people. Not sharing with others is a problem. It's actually called a sin. 1 John 3, 17, whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? Philippians 2, 4, let each of you Look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Proverbs 11.25, the generous soul will be made rich. Romans 12.13, distributing to the necessity, to the needs of the saints and given to hospitality. You need to give, you need to share, you need to allow other people to also give to you. But, you know, we had our family party, and all of our kids got their schedules worked out. Benjamin and Meredith came out here just so they could be in our family picture. No, they came out here because Meredith's sister, Megan, was getting married last night, and that, that's a blessing. She's, she's off on her honeymoon today, but, uh, but they came out here for the wedding, and so everybody worked their schedule around to make sure we had that day off so we could all get together. Now, it costs some more than others. Some had to take a day off of work. Some had to fly across the country. But we all gave to make it happen. And there's the joy in the sharing of that. And we need to enrich other people's lives and care for other people. Not sharing with others is a spiritual problem. These are not just money problems. They are spiritual money problems. So let me give you a word of caution when you're sharing with other people, okay? When you're going to give to somebody, make sure it's something they want to receive. I can't tell what kind of cookie that is in the mirror, but let's just say that it's a chocolate chip cookie and you were going to give it to me. Would I be happy to receive that? I wouldn't. I'm diabetic. I can't eat it. I can't have chocolate. Uh, so make sure it's something they want to give. So I don't care how cute the little puppy is, don't give it to Kathy and I. We're allergic to them, okay? And if you really want to give somebody a mani-pedi, don't give it to Tim Martinez. He might be allergic to that, I'm not sure. And do not, please, do not buy Tim Pennock a U of A shirt. He's definitely allergic to that. Okay, so give something they would like to receive, they would benefit from. 
Now, you could give a gift card. They could go get whatever they want. If you know a restaurant they like, you could buy them a gift card to that restaurant. Leave, leave it anonymously for them. You can give to help other people. But give something that's meaningful to them. Kathy and I were laughing about my mom. My mom was a sweet, kind, gracious lady. But my mom had no clue when it came to giving gifts, really. Like she was in a store. She bought Kathy. What was that really bright outfit? What color? Red and white polka dots, big, huge polka dots. That just says Kathy to you, doesn't it? You see her wearing stuff like that all. Well, my mom bought this out, big white. She said she was walking through the store, saw that outfit, and it just said Kathy to her. I wondered if it said Kathy Green. I'm not sure, but, uh, but she bought it, gave it to Kathy. And when I was in my mid-30s, my mom gave me a gift. She was so excited to give me. She knew I was going to absolutely love it. It was a G.I. Joe. Because when I was nine, I had a couple of G.I. Joes and played with them all the time. And she just thought this would be so special. i like, thanks, Mom. <laughs> I love my mom. I loved her heart. Didn't always love her gifts. So give something that people would want to receive. Something that would be beneficial to them. And... Uh, Kathy and I have tried with the high school and college graduates in our family. We've asked, can we buy you a study Bible? And we've been able to do that for several of them. And that's been a fun thing for us to give uh, to family members that uh, not all of them want it, uh, but we, we always ask first. And if they do want it, then what translation do you want? And, and so forth. But, but give something they would like to receive and share with other people. So what do you do if you have almost no money and you're just barely making it by? You have to stage when you buy your groceries to make sure you can buy it at that time of month when you have enough money. Okay? Don't buy somebody a gift card. Don't hand them a $100 bill. Give them a little bit of your heart. Write them a card. Call them on the phone. Pray with them on the phone. I've had the opportunity to do that with people, and I've had people do that with me. It's a blessing to be able to share with people. I know when I first found out my brother-in-law was had cancer, we had no idea how bad it was yet, uh, I called a pastor friend of mine, and right then he prayed with me on the phone. And I, and I felt blessed and, and benefited from that. So share your heart. Share your energy. If you can, Share your finances to help other people. Matthew 6.21, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Your heart will follow what you treasure. So spiritual problems, not just money problems. Is your heart right before God? Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Are you trying to follow him? Are you generous toward God, generous toward others? Do you love money? Do you try and hoard money? Do you ever withhold money from people who really deserve it? Be generous hearted people because we follow a generous hearted God who gave himself for us that we might be saved. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and care. We thank you that you provide our material needs, the, the clothes and the food and the money that we need to survive. 
but we thank you most of all that you provide our spiritual needs. Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sins so we could be saved. I pray that we would honor you with our money, with our time, with our energy. I pray that we would be generous hearted people and, and we would show your love and share your truth as we live in this community, in this present age. In Jesus name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.